can you help me with my Instagram? That is the one question that started a beautiful collaboration between Jess Shear and Manari from the Sapporo Nation, who is an indigenous leader. And now together they are sharing the Amazonian dreaming wisdom through an online program called Dream World, which has been taken by almost a thousand people from all over the world. Jessica Shear is a business strategist and world traveler working to bridge ancient wisdom to the modern world. She's the co-founder of Dream World, and she has worked in the online business world for nearly 10 years, supporting leaders in the wellness and spirituality space to share their message online. For the past four years, she has spent most of her time in Latin America exploring and learning from indigenous communities. You can follow along at Say Yes with Jess and make sure you check out episode 159 where Jess and I go deep into all things dreams, how to interpret them, how to connect with them, and how to connect with your own spirit through the world of your dreams. In this episode, we get deep into the incredible growth of the dream world. Jess, in collaboration with Manari, has grown their TikTok account to half a million followers. The course has been taken by almost a thousand people. There's so many beautiful ripples happening in the world as a result of this indigenous wisdom coming together with technology, the spirit world coming together with social media. And honestly, this conversation is everything that I care about when it comes to online business, self-expression, and merging those worlds that we have been taught to disconnect by the traditional marketing paradigm. Jess shares the secret behind Manari's incredible social media growth and the kind of difference that it is making on the life of the whole community. We talk about how to respectfully collaborate with indigenous elders when it comes to content creation and beyond. And in the very end, Jess shares a message that has been coming through Manari and through her as well about harmonizing with the changes in the world. And I found it to be so relevant and so helpful. And I know you will love it too. If you are curious about connecting to your own dreams, interpreting them and connecting to your medicine and your own spirit through the world of dreams, make sure you check out the dream world program on dreamworldprogram.com. I have personally taken it. I really loved it. It was such a beautiful experience to add to my toolkit of different ways to connect to the other side and apply to my life and to my business. And right now, if you're listening to this in October, 2022, it is available through October 21st at midnight. So make sure that you register if the spirit moves you and use the code Xenia40. That is my name, K-S-E-N-I-A 40 to get $40 off. And if you're listening to this beyond October 2022, check out the website anyway. There might be something there for you. The program might be available at that point again. In this episode, Jess also takes us behind the scenes of filming the dream world and different connections with medicinal plants and how it played a role into creation of this course. And also how she makes cacao wherever she goes in the world as a digital nomad. Make sure you check out all of the show notes if you want to find any of the resources that we mention on my website, kseniabrief.com. And if you're sharing this conversation, make sure you tag at Say Yes with Jess and at Xenia.brief. 
Thank you so much for spending this sacred time with us and may it activate your own medicine and your own message in the world. This episode was made on Zencaster. Jess, welcome back to my podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. When we first connected about Dreamworld program, you reached out to me on Instagram and said, hey, we have this thing launching. Do you want to be an affiliate? And typically my policy is that I only promote things that I've personally experienced and can recommend from my experience. And this time something in me was just so clearly saying yes, yes, yes in every part of my being. And we hopped on a podcast recording to promote Dreamworld program when it was first launching. And I ended up joining the course a few months later, which was the summer of 2021. So now I can't speak from personal experience. I loved it so much. It was such a special experience. And I was going through it live as I was actually visiting my family in Russia and going on all of these different ancestral journeys of revisiting my homeland and the different memories I have associated with growing up and things that feel the most alive in my ancestral line. And that really held me through it. And I know now why at the time before I even took the course, I felt so connected to it because it's truly such a gift of being able to connect this indigenous ancient wisdom through the modern technology in the way we live our lives now. And you have been the carrier and the messenger of this reaching over a thousand people now have taken the course. It's pretty epic. So I'm so excited to reconnect with you now that I've taken the course, now that the course and everything around it has experienced absolutely insane growth and get into the behind the scenes of both the energetic imprint of the growth and what's been going on behind the scenes on the spirit side, but also the strategy because you're a brilliant online business strategist. So welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ksenia. It's so great to be back. And it's awesome to hear you share about that connection we had a year ago, because the funny part from my side is we've never asked anybody to be an affiliate that hasn't experienced the program, but I intuitively (laughs) felt to reach out to you. You were the only one. So it was one of those just like, follow your intuition, reach out and see what unfolds. And it's been so beautiful. And yeah, I'm excited to hear more about your experience with the course as well. Intuitive Business 101. (laughs) There we go. So let's start with where are you right now? Looking at your Instagram, you truly are living the dream life of visiting all these different sacred sites around the world, having amazing photo shoots, connecting to the land, drinking cacao wherever you are. So where are you and what is your life dedicated to these days? I am in Ecuador. I'm in a small town city called Puembo, which is in the outskirts of Quito, in the Andes, in the beautiful Andes. And I've been here for the last couple of months. Ecuador became my second home, I would say, actually, because of my work with Monadi. I first came to Ecuador to visit the Amazon and then got sucked into. I always say to people that Ecuador is on the equator, which is where it gets its name from. And it really feels like there's a deep vortex of like that Um, just the duality, the polarity between the North and the South and the exact marker that it is that always draws me in. So for those of you who haven't met Jess, check out episode 159, 
which is when we first connected about Dreamworld, how you got connected with Manari. And we might revisit some of those points today as it makes sense. But really what I am so excited to get into is what has happened with the dream world and you working with Manari since. It started as an idea. He came up to you and said, hey, can you help me with my Instagram? And you said yes. And then from there on, it just completely has snowballed into this enormous movement all around the world. TikTok has completely blown up. There's half a million followers on that account. So what has been your experience in this growth? Was it an intentional thing? Did you sit down and write a business plan? What was the the blueprint now looking back that you can see of the spirit guidance plus the business guidance weaving this creation together? We first launched Dream World in August of 2020 in the beginning of the pandemic, really as an experiment to see what would it be like to share these teachings online. And there was no strategy that went into it. It really was just put this thing out there within a week, we launched it. And it was super successful. We had over 60 students in the first class, people were loving their experience and wanting to continue and Minari loved sharing the wisdom. So we continued launching a couple more live classes, the format was in um, eight classes over a month. And for about the first year cycle or the first yeah, nine, 10 months, was really just going with the flow and each month thinking to myself, okay, should we do a new group? How's it going? But there wasn't really much business strategy there. And then last summer, which is around the time that we connected, something clicked in me and I realized this really is a business. Like this isn't a hobby. This isn't something random. It's actually a really beautiful business that has so many awesome benefits. One is for everybody who takes the course, it's deeply transformative. And also economically for Minari and for his nationality, during the pandemic, they realized that their main source of income, which is tourism, was no longer sustainable in a regular way because, um, yeah, just many changes in the world. And for a lot of these indigenous communities, in order to avoid working with ex extractive industries like oil or mining or logging, they need alternatives. And most communities haven't really found alternatives. So I started putting a few pieces together and realizing that Dream World actually was a huge bridge of being able to continue to have an income and make a huge impact without needing people to physically come to the Amazon. So exactly when we connected last year was the beginning of thinking to myself, okay, Jess, put your business strategy cap on and take things to the next level. And in that process, I also started thinking about how, um, so to be specific, in the first couple of classes that we did, we basically in the moment would just decide, all right, let's do a new class. We'd launch it on social media. At the time, I think when we started, Minari had around like 2,000 followers and eventually grew up to around 10,000 followers last fall. And that was it. There wasn't an email list. There was no launch strategy. It was just literally putting it out there. And with the grace of our beautiful community, a lot of people love to share about it. And then um, towards the end of last fall and the winter, I basically decided now's the time to go bigger. I hired an assistant. I uh, We started really going bigger with uh, growing an email list and really going all in on social media. So around January, this past like thinking like, what year are we in? In January, this this past January, 
when we we probably had around 900 uh, newsletter subscribers, which was a mixture of past students and just people that had come to some of our ceremonies or made a donation to Naku or something like that. And just for context, right now we have about 8,000 newsletter subscribers. So over the last nine months or so, I've put in a big effort, both by doing just free live events, um, free ceremonies or different experiences that people just needed to opt in to get the call details and also starting to experiment with Facebook ads and different ways of just connecting to more people. And then social media wise, at the same time, I said to Minari, why don't we start answering people's questions in short videos and put them up as reels and on TikTok? And I think even this time last summer, reels were just starting. So, so, or this time last year, reels were just starting. So it was really cool to see that everything was syncing up, that reels and TikTok could both kind of work hand in hand. And within the first couple of videos, they all just started exploding, which I knew they would because what I was realizing is that there are so few elders that are really sharing on the internet. It's really difficult to access uh, indigenous wisdom or people that carry a lineage in a way that it just in general, but especially in English. And so I knew that Minari has a really unique way. His ability to share is beautiful and it's truly a gift to receive these teachings online. And so it was the end of January that we started sharing on uh, Reels and on TikTok almost every day, just answering different, very specific dream interpretation videos. And as you mentioned, our TikTok account has over half a million followers and Instagram grew to about, I think we're at 57,000 followers. So a lot of growth in the last couple of months. That was very intentional as a gift to share with people and also a way to just bring more eyeballs and attention. I always see it as like planting seeds. So just planting a lot of seeds with every video. And then if somebody wants to dive deeper, then we have our different offerings for people to do so. Are you the one on the ground coming up with the ideas for those videos, collecting questions and filming them? In the beginning, yes. But most of our questions originally came from our students. So we have a dream circle that we run twice a week for our community. And sometimes people would ask questions or share their dreams and the answers were so beautiful that I would just start writing it down and say, hey, Minari, let's refilm that in one clip and share it. And then slowly we started receiving a ton of questions from people just writing in on social media and then from there highlighting or, you know, just making a list of the best questions and going question by question where I would literally just stand there with my phone and Minari and just say, okay, Minari, I'm going to ask you this question. If it feels aligned to answer, answer, go. Wow. So what I want to point out is that one of the first videos that went the most viral has 2.2 million views, and it is Manari answering the question about sleeping and waking up tired. And all it is, is just a single shot of him speaking in Spanish with captions in English, right? So there's not like cool camera angles or video effects or transitions. It's all about the content. And I think there's such a potent medicine in remembering that when we show up from that place of soul and heart and service and sharing what we're meant to share. Yes, with time adding on all of these fancy shiny elements can be really wonderful in reaching more people. But the most important thing is to just start showing up and sharing those messages. I couldn't agree more. I always that specific video feels like it's the gift that keeps on giving because even in the last month, about 20 different spirituality accounts on Instagram have reposted that video that came out in February. And I think our account has grown at least 4,000 followers just from all these different accounts reposting that very one video. 
And to me, there's two big lessons from it. One is that a lot of these themes are so universal. So the topic of waking up tired is just such a universal topic that literally connects to everybody and kind of touches his message is so beautiful, which is that we're not that aligned and maybe we're going to bed with too much in our mind. So just Mm -hmm. a very simple message. Mm that's really connecting to people. And number two is exactly what you said, nothing fancy. My MO always is just do it. Our entire brand, I've literally built myself. I've built the website. I've learned how to design myself and made a random logo in in Canva, PicMonkey. This course, our new brand new course is the first thing that has really been a pre-thought in advance GoPro. Everything else I've pretty much taught myself and have just done it. And I always feel with social media too, that sometimes people feel this pressure that things need to be perfect or a certain way or fancy or a trending sound. And with what I've seen with Monati, and it's just the easiest way for us is literally just do it like a one shot take if we need to edit it a little bit, go, but it's just, it actually feels to me like somebody can feel him speaking to them. It's very simple. It's very personable cell phone shot and uploaded. 100%. This is bringing me right back into the medicine of consistency. When I dissect a story of anybody who's achieved any success on any social media platform, whether I'm interviewing them or I'm just digging into YouTube holes, kind of like finding those seeds of, okay, what did you actually do to blow up? A lot of the times it's this consistency and this commitment to showing up. And I know that when I push myself, it's not always comfortable or natural or intuitive to just show up in a consistent way. For example, in the beginning of this year, I led this challenge, which I also participated in myself, 11 days of sharing on social media, which you can just go and find my you know, posts about that and just do it your own time. It's all on my Instagram. When I started showing up that way, it did something. It creates this momentum where your own medicine starts flowing through you more potently than you ever thought was possible. And because especially when you announce it to your community that you're doing it, there's like this accountability. I can't go to bed until this is done. And when you're doing it with other people, there's even more connection in it. And there's just so much aliveness and committing to yourself that way, showing up because guaranteed that let's say you're showing up for 11 days straight, something, either it's a story or a post or something will end up reaching a lot of people. It's pretty much guaranteed at least one out of 10 will go somewhere and it will surprise you whether that's with the number of people that it reaches or with an inner realization or with a DM that you get that makes you think about your work and what you're sharing in a whole different light. So I really love that you're sharing about this consistent showing up. And I'm curious, what does Manari think about having become an influencer? Was that ever part of his dream? (laughs) Minari loves it. It was definitely never part of his dream, but one of the unintended benefits has actually been for him as a leader. People in the world now value influencers more than somebody that actually is doing really powerful, good work in the world. The number on social media carries such a value. So for him in Ecuador, him having grown this really big following on his own account and also with Dreamworld, Everywhere he goes in the country, somebody will say to him, I've watched your video. Mm-hmm. And even political leaders have have said to him, like, wow, I saw you on social media. Who's helping you? What are you doing? I see you're connecting with people in the United States. So on that level, it's actually been so powerful to bring awareness and elevation to him as a spiritual guide, as an environmental protector, as an indigenous leader to his nation. And 
Yeah, it's been really amazing to see how just understanding how the world works right now, people look at numbers and place a lot of value on that. So immediately he's seen in this different way, even though he's been a badass forest defender and human being for the last 20 years, this just really brings just a level of credibility that people need to see that and and bringing value to that. And even a funny story, a couple months ago, Minari was with us in New York and we walked into a building and the doorman recognized him and said, I follow you on social media. Your videos have helped me so much. So it's been this fascinating process for him as a person to feel like, wow, this is really getting to this massive level. And I always remind Minari, and this is something I remind myself all the time. Sometimes on social media, we see a number and we disassociate from it. But I always say to him, I'm like a thousand likes means there's a thousand human beings that saw this and took the effort to tap a button or 5 million views, as we were saying, or 2 million views. I'm like that is millions of people that have now listened to this healing prayer or that are now engaging with this topic of dreams and really feeling what that feels like. And so it's been a really fun process connecting with that together. And also with Manari, his own um, understanding of how yeah, just how that's moving in the spirit world as well, like the reach and the impact that that's creating. And I think, the, you know, the last thing I'll share about that is he's from a nationality where there's only about 600 people left in his culture. And so to really feel this massive global family of people from all over the world that are listening to your message and aware that you exist or aware that your culture exists is beyond powerful. There is a huge power to that. And I've also, you know, shared with Minari that when he has important meetings on a governmental level, or maybe let's say with an oil company that wants to come into their territory, I send him the list of the amount of countries we've had students or where our followers are from or those numbers. So he can really go forth and say what the amount of, it feels like kind of having the Superman cape of all the connections and all of the people that are behind you, that it's not just a couple, you know, hundred people here on the ground. It's really a community that has grown into tens of thousands of people. That is so beautiful. The way you were describing social media connections and every like representing a human, the way that I see it is it's like this activation that the person is holding a phone. It's kind of on the level of your heart you tap the like button and it goes straight into your heart and it's this activation and this remembering. And then that person goes in the world and they share it by embodying what moved them. And so it's this invisible web of just so many people around the globe coming alive and remembering who they are and connecting to their dreams. Like imagine how many of those people went and shared with somebody about what they learned. It makes me so happy that this is the relationship that Minari has with social media, thanks to you, because the way that you described it, you know, yes, social media numbers are such a currency. They open so many doors. And unfortunately, there's some really powerful people in the world, meaning like they're powerful offline, making such a difference, but they see the barrier. They feel like they need to have a certain amount of followers and certain numbers. And if they don't, there's like this rebellion Uh, against social media. So I'm really happy to hear the way you're describing it. I feel like when we allow ourselves to see those numbers as just a currency, and instead of saying, no, I don't want to use this currency, it's not aligned with me, we go in and we play the game in our own way, and we get curious about it, and we start 
experimenting in a way that is aligned and we start creating our own community and our own space that is aligned with our values, then we become the leaders of the new way of showing up on social media and sharing our medicine with the world. I am so excited to share with you that my number one podcasting tool since day one of this podcast, Zencaster, is sponsoring this episode. I remember when I first started my podcast, it seemed like solving a tech puzzle. But I've been using Zencaster since day one, and it's made it so easy. It provides studio-quality recording from wherever you are, gorgeous HD video if you choose to record video, and even built-in episode editing. What I love about it is that it records separate audio and video tracks for me and my guests, so the editing process is a lot more customized. Plus, they offer secured cloud backups, so I've never lost an episode. It's super easy to use. There's nothing to download. My guests just click the link and we start recording. For the past few months, I've been testing the automatic post-production and every single episode you've heard, including this ad, was fully made on Zencaster. It's so good. It makes it easy to also post-produce videos, both horizontally for YouTube and vertically for Reels, Shorts, and TikTok. One of the tools I love the most is Zencaster's active speaker detention. It leverages AI to automatically detect the participants that are speaking, and when the active speaker changes, the participant who's on the larger screen automatically switches. So this makes editing and post-production so easy and allows you to reach more people by posting your content on more platforms at once. It's super convenient, and I'm a huge fan of Zencaster. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter promo code Xenia in all caps and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. It includes unlimited audio and video recordings, hosting up to 10 guests at once, audio and video mixing, and unlimited English transcriptions. You get a 14-day trial and can always downgrade to the free account if you choose to. That is Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. Promo code K-S-E-N-I-A, all capital letters, or click the link in the show notes. It is time to share your story. I'm just so excited to see that this is happening. And like you said, that there's very few indigenous leaders taking that role. So I wonder what kind of other leaders will see that and reach out to you probably and wonder what's possible as well. Is that happening? It's starting to happen. And that's definitely a part of my vision. I feel like everything I've done with Minari, both in terms of what, you know, sharing these bite sized little nuggets of wisdom, and also the programs that we're creating and the new economic model that we're creating, I'm really seeing it as something that could be a model for many cultures. And yeah, there's there's a lot more coming. <laughs> mm. So we're right now I feel like this is creating this is creating a really powerful model because especially as it relates to money and we we're talking about currency, the financial system for a really long time hasn't included indigenous communities. So these communities that have, have a wealth of knowledge and experience and relationship with the earth and a lot of medicine to share maybe haven't been as connected to technology or haven't been as connected to the financial system. And so in that world, maybe are seen as having less. And so I feel like what this is starting to do is just flipping it upside down and creating the space and being just being the bridge and being in partnership to say, hey, you carry this massive medicine and gift for the world. And I have this skill. Let's weave those together so that you can really share your message and also be compensated for that, 
which can create really huge ripple effects in these communities. If there are any Indigenous leaders somehow <laughs> listening to this podcast or maybe a YouTube outtake from it or TikTok, as somebody who has grown Manari's community to half a million followers, has created a course that has been taken by a thousand people and way more coming, what would you recommend to those wisdom keepers, whether they are Indigenous or not, in stepping into their medicine and merging the gift that is technology with the gift that is the message that they carry? How do they use the tool of online business and the internet to step out there and to share it? I would say the first step is is literally just stepping out there and sharing it. Right now, almost everybody has access to a cell phone and can literally start taking selfie videos and just sharing teaching. So as we were talking about, nothing fancy, but just starting that process. I think one piece that has been really helpful and successful for us is putting the English subtitles. But if somebody, well, if they're listening to this podcast, they have somewhat of an English skill set. But even if somebody doesn't speak um, English, just putting it in their own language. We There are so many languages in the world, and I feel like things will find the right place to get out there. Actually, right now, just dropped in a story that's super powerful. I have a really close friend, Jeremy, who has a beautiful project called Wisdom Keepers, where he literally travels around the world documenting different wisdom keepers. And his account a couple months ago had about 800 followers. And he was waiting to put together some kind of a documentary and sitting on all this footage. And I told him, I was like, Jer, why don't you see this from a different way? Take the exact footage you have. And instead of somebody sitting and watching a 90 minute documentary, which hopefully they will one day, start breaking it into small chunks and just letting those seeds start flying around the world. And that was in March. We sat down and had this conversation. His Instagram has over 120,000 followers now. He has absolutely um, exploded. And I told him, it's like, Jeremy, I just know in my heart that the world of social media right now needs so much medicine. People are looking for that. We're on these platforms that everyone's addicted to. So the more medicine we put on there, the better. Obviously, his video footage is gorgeous. And um, that's his gift. But the point has nothing to do with the beautifulness of the videos. It's just sharing. It's literally just putting out the message. And it's been, he's been such a great example for me to see about what we were talking about consistency. I just said to him, your one formula is one video a day on Instagram, TikTok, the same video. That's it. Make it clear who's the wisdom keeper, put that content up and that's it. Like keep it really simple. And I exactly what we were talking about. At first he told me on TikTok, you know, it's not taking off. Nobody's seeing it. It was like, just wait, one video is going to strike the cord. And of course it did. And same on Instagram too. So I feel like for anybody that's carrying medicine in their heart right now or has a gift to share, don't wait. This is, this is literally the moment and it's easier than ever to begin sharing. And then from a business perspective and thinking about how can that actually turn into um, an income or revenue there are so many different business models out there, and there are so many people that are sharing awesome tips, including Ksenia, myself. I will be sharing more, but there's so many different ways. So I love somebody, when you do. <laughs> more, <laughs> more is coming, but um, yeah, there's. I always just remind people, like whatever makes sense for you. I love the world of online courses, so that's why I'm super excited to share that with Minari. But he also guides retreats, and so all of the new followers have created a huge base for people to come to visit the jungle in person, or he sometimes does in-person ceremonies and different experiences. 
Some people have one-on-one practices. Like there are so many different ways to work with people and make money. And the way that Instagram and TikTok and these different platforms can serve us is just as a marketing tool, as a way to connect to more hearts. I loved what you said about the cell phone and the heart. I'm going to remember that now. But it's just, it's a gift. Uh, It's a gift to be able to share people your gift. And then if they want to act on that and take the next step, just knowing whatever your offering is, like having one offering that people can dive deeper and give you money and just knowing how you receive money. Is it on PayPal? Is it on Stripe? If you're in a foreign country, it's a little bit harder, but there's always solutions. Yes, 100%. So I know we exchanged a couple of DMs around captions app what app did you end up settling on using for spanish speaking videos to have the english captions i stuck with veed so i used for our subtitles a a website that's called veed.io i think veed is awesome it's not there's no cell phone app but what we actually ended up doing is a couple months ago this is amazing the one of their somebody from their team reached out and said you're one of our highest users we'd love to have a phone call with you to tell you about some of our new features the so Monero, i got a sponsorship <laughs> we, wait what are, we should do that but i had a phone call with this guy and as i was explaining to him the process of um you know putting the subtitles in spanish and manually translating them he's like you know we have for the high, the premium level a, a built-in translator it's like, oh my God, no, that's going to change my life. So we upgraded to, um, I think we were paying $19 a month and now we're paying $30 a month. So it was a very minimal difference, but that's an absolute game changer because they automatically uh, translate, uh, put the subtitles on and then you can click a button to translate it to a different language and it's pretty solid. And then we could just go in and fix it. So instead of spending like 30 minutes adding subtitles, it's now down to about five minutes. And the best part about Veed is that it's a cloud-based system. So I could have my assistant start a project. I can continue working. And actually recently, which I'm very excited about, uh, two of Minari's daughters are now joining our team. Amazing. They are, they are two beautiful uh, women in their early 20s and that also have an interest in social media. So I spoke to them about if they wanted to learn more and get more involved. So one of his daughters is now starting the process of doing the first layer of subtitles. And then Barbara, my team can go ahead and do the translation. So there's a beautiful team flow that's happening on using that platform. I love that so much. I'm going to make sure that everything we're talking about is in the show notes, the 11 days of sharing wisdom keepers lead IO. So if you want to find all the things in one place, xeniabrief.com, I'll have it there tidy for you. I want to talk about dream world. I also want to talk about your choice to work for the dream world versus your own brand. But before we get there, I'm curious, how does the next generation of people in Manari's community, like his daughters, you know, what are they thinking about their dad becoming so popular? Is that what's inspiring them to be more interested in social media or was it already there? They're loving it. Everybody's loving it. It's kind of the fun joke in the jungle is Theo, the uncle is, you know, is a big influencer now. So I what I've noticed in the last year with a lot of the youth in the community is a lot of them are getting on social media and making TikTok accounts, making Instagram accounts and sharing a lot more. And I think it's definitely inspired by Minari. And there's a handful of other indigenous people here in Ecuador, Minari's nephew, um, another guy from a different nationality that are starting to be much more visible and realizing how much of a voice you can have. So I was starting to notice that Minari's daughters in the last couple of months 
have been more active on social media and taking an interest in sharing in that way. And that's why I decided to approach them because the truth is the biggest gift that I can give is if they get really empowered and learn how to do these things for themselves and can begin to share their own message, their voice, um, continue to amplify the message of the jungle. And it's been really, and then they can go on and teach other youth. So there is a huge yeah, a huge entrance that's growing in the world of social right now in the indigenous youth. This is why I love social media. Jess, thank you for doing what you do. Seriously, so exciting. So also want to ask you, as somebody who spends a lot of time in the jungle working directly with indigenous leaders, when you mentioned wisdom keepers, what came to mind is, I remember when I went to Guatemala with Flo, who's also going to be a return guest on the podcast soon, Flo from Cacao Lab one of the most downloaded episodes of all time about cacao ceremony. So I'm excited to revisit that soon. But when they invited me to come to Guatemala with them, Fede and Flo, I was filming some content. Flo organized a ceremony for me with Nana Marina. That's kind of before like the world really knew who she was. And, you know, I asked for permission to film and I didn't yet know exactly what it was going to be for, but I was just kind of collecting it and documenting my experience and Nana Marina had this concern that I would just kind of take that content and then benefit off of it and they would get nothing because they had had, from what I understand, experiences like that before. So what is your take on what a respectful exchange is and maybe something you've seen your friend from Wisdom Keepers do on what is a way to do this and collaborate and use our gifts of creating content to amplify indigenous messages in a way that empower everybody involved, everybody around. Thanks for bringing that up, Ksenia. It's a huge topic and it's something that I'm dancing with all the time as a non-indigenous woman. Um, I also, sometimes people ask me that question of what's my role and, you know, am I appropriating? Am I, what's our relationship? And so it's something that for me has been super important to be in full transparency and clarity with Minari principally because he is the person that I'm accountable to. I'm not accountable to a random follower that sees one video and makes an assumption, but to really, you know, with the relationships. And I feel like, yeah, there's a lot to say on this, but the simplest I feel is um, just being in right relationship in the sense of actually having a relationship. So for example, each indigenous community has a different relationship with appropriation or the feeling of being taken advantage of. So with me and Manadi, he and I talk all the time about what feels right. And for us, um, what does it feel like to actually be equals and true partners in something versus what he has told me in the past is, you know, sometimes people feel like they can't take anything. So therefore they're a volunteer and then they flake off and disappear. And he's mm -hmm. like, that's not worth it for, you know, I don't want you to go anywhere. Let's actually treat this as, as a real partnership. But I do know, for example, in Guatemala, the history, really learning the history of a place, the history of what the Mayans have faced over the last few generations and the last hundreds of years is a really different story of, of the invasion of um, other cultures and of appropriation. So I feel like firstly is just having a sensitivity and awareness of what is the culture that you're wanting to share about and maybe even just asking them, how would you like to be how, what is the most respectful way that I can share about this? Because I would love to. So I also have had experiences 
in in Guatemala and in different cultures where there's been times where I felt like this really needs to just be for me. And there's times where I felt a deeper calling of I must share this. And usually I've always tried to have somebody review it. So even a blog post that I wrote about um, Day of Indigenous Peoples, a big ceremony in Guatemala, I asked a Mayan friend to read it. I just translated it to Spanish so he could read it and just let me know, does this feel in accordance? Is this appropriate? If there's spaces where it makes sense to actually give back a percentage of the proceeds, I do feel like that's really important because one big exchange in currency in the world is financial. And so having some reciprocity in that capacity going back, or if there's ways to link to education or projects, that's super helpful. Right now for Jeremy with Wisdom Keepers, he's doing everything pro bono. It's out of his pocket and there isn't a business model yet, but I know that he's really in conversation with the Wisdom Keepers um, to see one day if he is able to get a documentary produced or some kind of educational courses or different income streams, How? where is the reciprocity and how is that actually benefiting the communities? Because one big way that people feel respected and Yeah. And acknowledged. And also just everybody in the world has financial needs, even in the Mm -hmm. jungle, they're very small, but nobody exists in the planet without the some financial needs. So just honoring that layer as well. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that transparent, honest conversations is the only way to find that balance and that dance of, I want to be of service. But at the same time, if I do this completely pro bono for free, then, you know, this is, this is harming my lifestyle and my ability to actually come and be of service, then it's not really going to carry that clean, clear frequency that we intended to bring into the world when we got together. And at the same time, respecting the elders, honoring their traditions and how they want to be seen, how they want to be supported. So thank you for sharing that. That is super, super helpful. So before we get into the dream world, I have another question. And I know we danced around this last time, and I'm curious where you're at with it now. And it is, how do you make the decision personally as Jess to continue being a business partner for Minari and work on the dream world versus taking all of your online business and storytelling genius and build your own brand and build your own courses and show up from that place? It's coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> short answer. That, yeah, I think for the last for the entire course of working on this project, um, working on Dreamworld, I've just followed my heart. So my heart has really guided me into diving fully in. I think for me, what I share and what I do is always also connected to the adventure of my life. And so there's been such just a huge growth and joy in building this business. And actually in the last couple of months, I would say starting in starting in March, I started getting this kind of like a little whisper in my ear of Jess, you need to start sharing this because what was happening was a lot of friends, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs or a lot of different people that I kept having spontaneous conversations with. I would sit down with them and regardless of their industry. So I was just sharing the example of Jeremy from Wisdom Keepers, but also a friend who's a musician. Um, some of my women who are, serve, you know, serve medicine or share art with the world. I was having the same conversations with almost everybody and realizing, okay, what I'm doing, what I'm applying to Dream World really applies to every industry, really regardless, because they're, they're principles that can then be molded and adjusted, et cetera. So a seed planted then of a really awesome course idea. 
And I feel like I just kept pushing it to the side. And in the last month, I would say it's come in very strong of like, you must do it now. To the point of two weeks ago, I was getting ready to launch my course and DreamWorld at the same time. And then one morning I woke, was journaling and realized like, don't do that, girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, let your life be simple. And um, there's no urgency. There's no rush, but you can start taking the action. So there are certain actions that I can take and maybe, you know, the course can come in January and maybe enrollment can come in November, but uh, it is coming. I've been feeling that really strong of like, you can no longer ignore this. Like a baby wants to come through. You can't, you know, you can't keep it in your body for so much longer. And so it's definitely been this interesting dance of feeling the, that duality, but at the same time, knowing that for me, it feels like a really big responsibility to really grow dream world. And right now, as, as I was saying about only a year ago, I started thinking about it in this new way. And if we talk about even a business plan, only in July, I think I, I was meeting with my accountant and realized I need to change my way of thinking. Instead of being sort of reactive, I really need to think about in order to achieve these certain goals of X amount of money going to the community every month, you know, our team, our overhead with just all the different softwares that we use, all that stuff. If I want to achieve all of that, how much do we need to bring in? And then what does our business model look like? So I feel like for me, I really made the commitment of for the remainder of 2022, just going all in on full business foundation, really um, training my team so the team can be strong so that I can start working on different projects or just open up either to going into you know other businesses or also just really building out my own brand in a bigger way, but knowing, being able to do that, knowing that dream world is in a really awesome place and can sustain itself as its own business. That is so exciting to hear. I love when you share about social media and behind the scenes of dream world. Is there any sneak peek of what your course will be about? Yes. So my course, I'll start with the vision, the vision, my, my personal mission of the last, I would say three months has really been to connect with the eagle and condor and with the vision of the birds. That's what I felt so deeply like a deep calling. And that's also why I'm here in the Andes right now is to be at that mountaintop and have a bird's eye vision and just really look out. And so I've been spending the last few months really connecting with these birds and feeling like, what does it mean to see the vision? like to really fly high and see something from a high vantage point and also observing how birds fly together, which is in a beautiful triangle that one bird in the front takes, does the most work and everybody else can kind of coast with that bird. And then there's a rotation. So there's a really beautiful dynamic teamwork flow that happens. And so that was the vision that I really started seeing with the course is me as the front bird and just basically being like, come fly with me. Like let's, let's soar together and let's, lift each other up with either if it's sharing specific tools or just energetically being like you're you know we're, we're all in this together let's all fly together let's all you know raise so the course is going to be a mixture of very practical implementation I feel like the best place to learn is actually just doing stuff on Instagram so really just putting to practical application and me seeing those uh, following and seeing like, what are the posts that are going up? How can you feel comfortable just as we we're saying organically posting, nothing needs to be fancy reels, Instagram live stories, your bio clear is your art, do you have a lead generation tool? Do you know uh, what your business model is? Like, how do you make money those basic things and just using Instagram as that foundation, and then complementing that with different types of ceremonies and 
healing techniques and also rituals, because I feel like for me, and I know very much this is the same for you, all of my downloads come in ritual. I'm never getting ideas sitting at the computer. It's always 100%. when I'm literally on a hike or drinking cacao or sitting and meditating or, you know, getting a massage when I'm in the actual go get a massage. Life, this is your sign. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a massage tomorrow. Can't wait. But um, it's like in that actual in the richness and the ritual of life is where the downloads and the visions come in. And I feel like we have very similar philosophies of honoring the spirit of your business and how can you really connect with the spirit is creating, making space for spirit. So both making the space for the actual implementation and getting comfortable with that and also the ritual side. So it will be a little emerging of the two. I love it so much. Yeah. When I think about it, all of my ideas come when I'm on my way to acupuncture getting a massage, integrating healing, making cacao, taking a day off my computer, playing with my puppy. It is so true. And I love that you're doing this kind of merging, merging the online business conversation and social media. The thing is, it's not that difficult, but it's that showing up and that consistency and that community and knowing that you're not doing it alone. And there's somebody who is in alignment with you and your values that kind of has your back and is reviewing things that makes such a difference. When I've led my conscious social media program, which I haven't done for, I don't know how long, a year and a half or two years, that's that's really like what carries it together. Like those birds, it's that power of community. And I'm so excited you're, to see your offering in the world. It's going to be epic and so many people will be elevated in their voices and in their medicine. So we'll be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, dream world, you mentioned that Nine months ago or so, or about a year ago, you just had this ping to, it's time to expand, it's time to approach it more professionally. So what were the steps that you've taken? What is the metamorphosis that the course has gone through? I know you're switching from live launching to another model. So I'll let you speak to that. And then separately, I would love to hear what the process of filming it in the jungle was and what kind of medicine and lessons came up as you were doing that. For sure. Up until now, like literally up until now, the actual program has remained pretty much the same. We've always continued to fine tune it, but the actual course has pretty much um, stayed the same because it's worked. So four week course that we've run over Zoom, the, the reason that we wanted to adjust it, so I'll just say now that we are super excited to be launching this week our the new the new dream world. So kind of dream world 2.0. The few lessons that we are learning from what we've done until now, which was like 10 live classes over two years, is that there is only there's a certain level of experience you can have in a four-week course, especially for those of us that have grown up in the Western world where dreaming wasn't a central part of our life, to really develop that habit and really start placing more value on our dreams and the spirit world and the invisible world takes more than four weeks. So that was a feedback that we consistently got. Most of the time we said, let us know if you have any comments or feedbacks about the program. Most of the time was just, I wish it was longer. So we started offering um, some dream circles to have a continuation from there. And my vision from the very beginning actually was to actually record the core content of the course in the jungle. That was my vision from the beginning. And we had a date to do it an entire year earlier, almost two years ago from the very beginning. And it didn't happen. And I trusted at the time when it didn't happen to just go with it. And then 
in January, I felt that ping again of now's your chance, Jess, especially with with the world opening up and Minari having the chance to do more travel, relying on his availability to be in a stable internet location to run a live class every couple of months wasn't the most sustainable. And also for me, having had the experience in the jungle and knowing how deeply powerful it is to have a transmission from the jungle is much cooler than having Minari in a room with a white wall behind him. And so we we got it together and hired a film crew. And in the beginning of February, I believe, we went into the jungle and filmed the whole course. So we basically used the framework of the same content that we were teaching in the four-week course and broke it down into small videos. And it was a really powerful process on every level to both kind of be producing, directing, as well as working with Minari in that way and having him share in that way. Because you know, speaking to a camera is very different than speaking to a class on Zoom. And Minari becomes a different person in the jungle. And so all of the classes, he worked with, the, with tobacco before filming all the videos. So all of the videos really were a full download and transmission. They always are in the classes, but it's a different, there's just a different transmission that comes through in the jungle. And it was so beautiful to very intuitively for Minari and then me and the film crew to flow with that to see, okay, we want to be talking about this topic. We're going to talk about nightmares, for example. Where do we want to stand? Um, what do we want to say? Does this need a ceremony to open the space? Like, what does that look like? And literally with the you know film crew, trekking with our big rain boots and uh, trekking through the jungle, going to different points to film and capture the essence of, of the forest and of the teachings and bring that to the world was the vision. And the course finally has launched. It's taken a few months to go through the entire program and add English subtitles. That was something that was really important for us was to not need there to be translations anymore for people to either just read the subtitles or in a transcript, be able to just fully get receive the vibration and transmission from Minari accompanied by all the mega sounds of the forest and the vibrant colors. And the way that I really see it is like, you almost enter watching the videos, you kind of enter into a trance. It feels like a mixture between watching a documentary and, and receiving an online course where you're, it becomes almost like a full body, full sensory experience. And what we decided to do was accompany the course, um, turn it into a year long program. So you have access to the pre-recorded course that you can watch at any point, have the ceremony audios to listen to whenever you want that are kind of like a beautiful guided meditation of um, chanting and singing to connect to the spirit world. And then every two weeks meet for Dream Circle, which is a space for dream interpretation, for sacred teachings, for ceremony, just having that live time to drop in, ask questions and connect as a community. And there's a few other things to complement it, but it felt very, it just felt much more complete when it all came together. When we actually filmed in, in February, I didn't realize we were going to turn it into a year long program. And I was trying to figure out how do we give these teachings, but also how do people really practice the interpretations and feel confident in that arena. So it feels like now opening this space for a whole year, just, um, it's a bigger commitment, but it also is a bigger commitment with your, with your spirit to basically say, I'm committing to my dreams this year. You know, I'm going to really every day, whether I'm actively doing something, just know that I'm in Minari's energy field, that I'm a part of this community, this group that I can drop in at any moment and um, and just really cultivate this. Yeah, the, the living in the two worlds, as Minari says, both the physical reality, but also the spirit world.
I know that when you were doing live programs, you were translating everything live. So it's so amazing to see it being scaled in this way where people can just sit with Manari and receive the captions. And also, I love that you mentioned it as being like this kind of transmission, this full body experience, this meditative receiving, because even with the translations, when you were there, you held such a beautiful space. So did flow. I remember because of the time difference, I would typically being in Russia, I would typically be watching either the recordings or I think the live calls while I was going to sleep. And I would typically fall asleep as I was listening to it. And so I would bring it into my dream world with me and it took me some interesting places. So I'm stoked for people to have this. If you've ever wondered about what your dreams mean, how you can connect more deeply with the spirit world through something as simple as going to sleep, I think it's such a cool experience. And if you are interested in taking it, I know that there's a launch happening now, 2022, October 21st, the cart will be closing and you can use my code Xenia40 to get a discount. But also if you're listening to this afterwards, which I have a feeling a lot of you will be, still go to dreamworldprogram.com and check out what's happening because I have a feeling there will be more interesting things coming. Yes. And thank you for bringing that up. One of our other biggest intentions is really to create a space where people can, if they feel the call to dive into the dream world, dive in whenever they want. So right now we are doing it as a live launch and the card is closing on the 21st, but soon we're going to be opening the space that dream world that people can flow in when they want. So they can, you can access the dream world wisdom course. So this pre-recorded transmission, and then just hop into dream circle because that will happen on a continuous basis. So if you're hearing this later, come to our website because there is a high likelihood that you can either just hop right into dream world now or at some point very soon. I'm imagining you and the crew with camera in the jungle and these like monkeys and big snakes what is the experience actually like what were some of the biggest challenges or some stories that you want to share rain <laughs> our biggest <laughs> challenge was rain i think on both we so we had actually a really limited window i ideally would have loved to go in for a few days but manari is a father and he has commitments um so he really only had a two-day window so i flew in manari was already in the jungle i flew in with our crew we have uh, two ecuadorian women were in charge of the film production and it was so fascinating because one is just getting in the right zone. And one of the things that I wasn't anticipating, but they said is like, we need to do this in one take. We can't cut the videos because of the background sounds, like all the sounds of the jungle, you can't chop that up. And I've been so used to with all of our videos when we share them on social media, you know, doing some fast cuts and also honoring and acknowledging that Spanish is Minari's second language. So sometimes for him, his first language is Quichua and also Sapora. So for him, Spanish isn't always the easiest flow. And especially in the jungle, he kind of enters a different mindset. So that was a fascinating process where we definitely, a handful of the videos had to film them um, twice because we really needed to nail the balance of me sort of feeding, this is what we're talking about. And these are the points that we want to make, allowing Minari to download it and having it come through in a smooth take. And I think on both of the afternoons, it started torrential downpouring. And in the jungle, they call it Amazon rainforest for a reason. The sky opens up and for hours. And I think we were thinking, let's just wait to see if it passes and we'll start filming again. No, like probably from 4 p.m. till midnight, just massive amount of rain. 
mother nature you have you know flow with that and i think on one of the afternoons and they showed up in our videos too there are a lot of flies and mosquitoes i think we got to the hour or wherever we are was like sort of swampy that there was just a lot of flies and mosquitoes coming around not only to us but also to minari so in a few of the videos he like picks up a leaf and just <laughs> swats away at a mosquito but i actually love that because that's the real life like seeing minari on camera swatting a fly is really gives you the feeling of the jungle. And that's just actually what it would be like to talk to each other in the jungle. So it was a really, yeah, it was fun. It <laughs> sounds amazing. And I know you mentioned tobacco. I'm curious if whether you want to speak to that, or maybe there were other plants that have taken a role in the creation of the dream world. Tobacco is one of the biggest plant allies for the Sapphire Nation and actually I would say most indigenous communities. And the way that they work with tobacco in the jungle is by taking um, fresh tobacco leaves, they dry them, and then you take a slice, basically they roll them into this tight log and then you take a slice of these tobacco leaves and just soak it in water. And then from that soaked water, you would squeeze a little bit of um, the tobacco and then the water would drip into the palm of your hands and then you inhale that liquid. So it's it's basically like a little tobacco tea that you snort or you inhale. And for me, the effect of the tobacco and what Minari says is tobacco helps neutralize energies. So if somebody is having like a huge journey or maybe is too much in their mind or for many different situations, the immediate medicine is because it's a very gentle but very powerful medicine is take some tobacco because it immediately drops you from your head into your heart and kind of connects you to the frequency of the plant world and to the spirit world. So that's something that we always have worked with. Um, Minari always works with tobacco before all of our ceremonies, all of the classes. He goes into his own kind of ceremony process so he can speak with the essence, the energy of tobacco. And also for me, if he and I lead things together virtually, he'll always say to me too, like, go take tobacco because we have to be in that frequency. It just drops you into a different frequency and especially in the forest. And I remember, I think the first dosage he said was very strong and it 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 just impacts the communication so we had to prepare like a fresh batch and even when we went deep into the jungle we just brought like a little bowl of, of tobacco with us so that could be part of um, the preparation of every video so it could really be like a clear channel a clear transmission are there altars that the sapara nation set up or like sacred objects that they work with in relation to this course or to different events in their lives very little the Sapara originally were nomadic culture. So Minari even um, was born. Like you. In, <laughs> like me. That's what I feel. I'm like, I'm actually getting back to our original state, but just in a new way. But Minari was born on a riverbed in the jungle, and then the family kept trekking on. So he only, they only made a community around when he was 15 years old. So for oh, wow. cultures that, um, live like living in a village is a brand new concept and they did that for actually for safety for what was going on at the time but they don't have many things because when you're nomadic you just basically have your food and can you know continue on so for their ceremonies Minari uses anilupanga which is like a bunch of leaves that he uses to shake and that's basically the only instrument and before ceremonies they make it on the spot they go to the tree and chop grab the leaves take another twig and wrap it up and then that's where he gets 
the ilupanga and uses that that leaf shaker until it's super dry and then toss it in the forest and make a new one. But it's actually been really special for me, uh, having experienced many other cultures that have elaborate ceremonies or elaborate mm-hmm. altars. And I myself actually love traveling with an altar to see how in the jungle their like sacred items don't really exist because of just the context of where people live, how they've lived, etc. So pretty much for ceremonies, um, there, there are some beautiful ceramics that the women make. Uh, that's how they're, you know, vessels for food, for drinks, etc. So there would be like a little ceramic dish. And then inside of that is the tobacco. Usually in everybody's home, there's always a fire. And at the ceremony, there's a fire. But that's also because women cook over the fire. So the symbol, the sign of every home, like the home is alive if the fire is going. And Actual fire. The actual fire. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's... Um, there's a handful of plants that people work with, but there's very few, uh, yeah, very few sacred items. Is cacao part of the plant kingdom that they work with? No, cacao is from the Amazon. So the original cacao plant that eventually made its way to Mesoamerica comes from the Amazon. So even in Minari's mom's um, garden, there's a beautiful giant cacao tree. But in the jungle, they really just consume cacao as a fruit just eating the fresh fruit. And as we were just talking about Nana Marina in Jan, in New Year, like the New Year's week, Florencia flew Nana Marina down to Ecuador and she came into the jungle with us and she offered a ceremony to the community, which was one of the coolest things of my life, just to witness that level of cultural exchange, like a really sacred cultural exchange. And she guided a cacao ceremony for the entire community. And it was so fascinating because cacao comes from there, but it's not consumed in a, in a beverage in that way. And it was really powerful. This community that works with really strong plants, just having a little bit of cacao had a massive effect, which wow. was just so, yeah, which is really, and then me, I'm like, I drink cacao every day. <laughs> <laughs> like this is my daily drink. Uh, my my nutrients that I need all the time. So it was it was really beautiful to see that and observe that exchange. And I feel like Minari has said that in ceremonies there, he has seen the spirit of the Mayans come before and the spirit of um, the plant of cacao, but it's not something that they've ever worked with in that way. That is so cool. And again, you and Flo were bridges for that. Like when else would this have been possible? It's so beautiful. So speaking of cacao, I know that it is big part of your self-care rituals and you shared on Instagram a video of how you make cacao anytime anywhere what is your trick tell us what you travel with and how you bring cacao everywhere you go because I know you're a minimalist and you have very little things on you anywhere you go what is your secret yes cacao is a must I feel for me Beyond any nutritional thing I could ever think of, there's just something so deeply nourishing that I just miss if I don't have cacao my day. So in my tiny 40 liter backpack, which contains all the contents of my life, I have a little travel cacao stash, which is basically enough cacao to last me for a few weeks. And if I can know where I'm going, for example, in Ecuador, I know I can get cacao. So enough cacao. And then my instruments are a stojo cup which is a collapsible silicone cup um, could be used for coffee or whatever. I don't drink coffee. So for me, it's cacao, but it's nice because it collapses down. I travel with a rechargeable milk frother and a little like set of bamboo utensils. And basically that's it because everywhere you can go and I pre-chop the cacao. So in advance, like 
in that video that I did make, I pre-chopped all of my cacao so that, for example, if you're in a hotel room, you could just take out your utensils, scoop a couple of scoops into um, the cup, like extend the cup. And then every hotel room in the world has a coffee maker. It's so easy to get hot water. So just adding the hot water and using um, the, the little milk frother, it's not massively blended, but it's blended enough. I When I posted that video, a few people shared their different tricks, but a lot of the other small like travel blenders, you need a, a check, uh, uh, like checking a bag and I never check bags. That's not mm. my style. So for me, the hand whisk with a little milk frother totally does the trick. It's tiny, it's rechargeable, and it's just it's very easy to travel with. I love it. doesn't have to be complicated. Are there any spices or sweetener that you use? Depends. There's, yeah, if like right now I'm doing um, honey, like a scoop of honey with all of my cacao, I go through my cycles. But one of my favorite mixtures is um, doing a scoop of cacao lab, which I love, which is like 100% street cacao, and then a scoop of cacao hunahku, which is a beautiful brand from a friend of mine in Guatemala that comes um, with pre-spices. So I feel like to me, it's the perfect mixture of sort of mellowing down the sweetness, but already having all of the flavor built in. There's um, chile, there's um, some sweetener, some vanilla and different components. So it kind of depends where I am. I also love from Cacao Lab, the different element bars that already have different flavors added. So usually when that's the case, I don't feel like I need any sweetener, but I, I go through phases. I'm drinking the Air Blend right now. I go through my phases with different cacaos. I have many, many different cacaos. If you ever come visit me, I'll show you my cacao drawer with all of my ritual tools. There's a lot of choices, but I'm always getting clear guidance on which cacao I'm meant to work with. And today before our call, I got a very clear call to drink the ear blend from Cacao Lab. And it got me in a very playful and heightened mode right before the interview. It's delicious. But also a pro tip. If you are making cacao or a tea, which I typically make in my hotel room, let the water run through the machine once or twice before you use it, because typically it's going to have like a weird, dirty coffee flavor, like from those cheap capsules. So let the water clear the machine first and then use that water. That is a great pro tip. So Jess, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? I feel like we've traveled through so many different places from the jungle to online business to what's coming in your personal brand business world to rituals and ritual tools. Is there anything at all that also is meant to be weaved into this conversation before we start wrapping up? Yeah, I would love to share just the thing that's been on my heart um, about the power of dreams recently. I feel a lot of the conversations that I've been having with Minari in the last couple of weeks has just been about the state of the world and really being in a place of observing. And it's been interesting in the you know two plus years that I've been working with him to see not only obviously the world's moving through a pandemic, but almost every couple of weeks, there's different natural disasters that are happening. Um, there's different movements of connected to women, rights, human rights, et cetera, that's coming up. And so, and especially obviously climate change is always at the forefront of our conversations. And so it's been really interesting to just observe together what's happening, how are humans reacting right now? And what are the future solutions that are required? And where is the unity? Like, what are what's everything that's happening? And in um, the Sapara language, they have a world a, a word nukaki, which is basically the word for oneness or unity. And basically, the, the to sum it all up, they say like el mundo es uno solo. The world is one. The world is nukaki. And I feel that 
to me, one of the simplest ways to embody that unity, that unification is in our own daily life in honoring that we're both physical beings that also live with an invisible world. And when we can honor not just, you know, the separateness of thinking that our dreams are other or our, I don't know, like the separateness of life when we really realize that we're one being and that what's the intangible also included. I have had my own downloads about the internet and social media is invisible, you know, and how that's also a layer of the invisible world when we can really start unifying um, the invisible, the intangible, the spirit, the breath that we, that we share with also this physical reality and start placing equal value in that world a lot can shift. There's a lot more harmony that we can feel. A lot of people that deal with like stress or anxiety or different worries that can begin to dissipate. And from the perspective of all these changes that are happening, we're seeing them, of course, from this reality and what's maybe shared in the news or on social media. It's sometimes hard to avoid the perspectives that are shared in all the different situations. But what Minari always talks about is the real way to see What's truly happening is to see it through our dreams and to set that intention of how do I really understand what's going on? Maybe it's, you know, politically or with a specific natural disaster, the changes of earth, these different movements that are happening and really find our own leadership and our own understanding that can, you know, sometimes can be in a massive ceremony, but a lot of times can just be through our dreams and just really setting the intention before we go to bed to find the clarity or ask for a deeper understanding so that we can just see it from a different way. And in the same way, our dreams can like our, this life can bring clarity to some visions that we've seen in the dream world. So I just want to, yeah, share that with everyone that I feel like part of my own passion for having more people join this community and have this experience is to start having new conversations and to really start seeing what are the new solutions? What are the different ways of seeing things when when we can enter our dreams and then say, okay, I, you know, let's say in a big dream circle and a big group of people have somebody share the dream that they saw, there's a weaving that starts to happen and it starts to open a layer of our, maybe we'll call it our subconscious or our spirit or just, you know, opens our mind up to new possibilities. And I feel like a lot of the future is going to be birthed in this way. And Minari also has been speaking so much about needing to just harmonize with the changes of the earth instead of either like denying or rejecting or trying to avoid or whatnot. How can we really see what's going on with the planet, with our mother, with our home, and just uh, begin to harmonize ourselves with these changes and become one with these changes? And so that is part of my invitation. That's part of the space that we're really creating together is figuring out how do we kind of join and unify together from people in different points all over the world, from different life vantage points, different ages, et cetera, and really enter the spirit world and dance there together to see um, to see a new vision. Hmm, mic drop, Jess. This was such a beautiful message. You know, what it's bringing me into is so often we'll see something on the news and I know sometimes my brain badly wants to check the news before I go to sleep and I try to hold myself back from it. So I'm not planting all of these things that don't have answers to them, but just kind of like problems without solutions into my subconscious with other people's opinions on top of them. But what if instead of feeling this helplessness or trying to come up with a solution from our brain, we just drop into our hearts, we trust our bodies, we take it into the spirit world through our dreams and just surrender it. Just like on my daily to-do list, 
right next to it, I have my surrender to God list. So anything that's too big or not yet time, I put on there and I know every single time when I am meant to process it, when I am meant to approach it and work with it, it always shows up. I get the sign, I get the next step, just one step at a time. And the same way with everything that's going on around us, we all, like you said, so beautifully like that bird, we all have a leader in us and we all are leaders in different ways. And when we allow ourselves to trust our bodies and our spirits in this bigger way, then we're always guided and just, you are an embodiment of it. So thank you for this stunning conversation. Thank you for doing what you do. And I'm so excited for what's coming from you. Thank you, Drew. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. I love this conversation. It's my joy.